It's time for the Basser Hour. The Basser Hour is a look at issues that affect today's veteran. The Basser Hour is brought to you by www.hadit.com. If you need help with the VA, log on to hadit.com. Now, here's your host, Jay Basser. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Basser Hour. This is Jay Basser, your host. My co-host today is Mr. Gerald Cook. How you doing, Gerald? Doing just fine, John. Thanks for having me on. That's good. Good, good. Okay. Um, today is uh, Tuesday, the 20th day of December. You've got four days until Santa Claus takes off. And uh, yeah. we've got a special treat for today, guys. we got Mr. John Wells on the show. And uh, Mr. Wells, he's an attorney based out of Louisiana. And he does a whole lot of stuff for the Blue Water Navy folks, fighting, fighting issues in D.C., uh, hey John, how you doing today? Hey, doing pretty good. How about yourself? Oh, we're doing wonderful, buddy. We're you know, as long as we wake up from the right side of the ground, we're doing good. Yeah, that's right. You know, when the grass is below you, not above you, you're doing okay. Yeah. So you've been doing stuff with the Blue Water Navy for I guess for several years now, and uh, you know, I see a lot of the legislative stuff and things like that you guys do, but. Uh, yeah, actually got involved pretty heavy in D.C. here in the last, I guess in the last little bit. Uh, how'd that trip go? Well, actually, we've been, you know, we've been getting more and more involved. Uh, used to go up there about once every three months. Now, I'm spending about 12 weeks a year up there. Uh, it's, uh, we're making progress. We doggone near got the Blue Water Navy bill passed this year. Uh, you know, the thing that's been causing us the problem is this pay-as-you-go act. Uh, it was passed in 2010 and requires us to get an offset, uh, you know, for any kind of new money, okay? And, you know, it's something the VA veterans benefits should be exempt from it, but if we're not. So we got to fight the issue. And we had an offset uh, earlier in the year. Senator Sanders shot that down. Uh, we found another offset that would have been a surcharge on visas for foreign students or $100, basically be at $100 every 13 months. And everything was fine. We were getting ready to pass the bill in the Senate, and then we were going to raise it in the House under what they call a rule suspension. And Senator Patrick Leahy uh, shot that down and said, nope, uh, I'm the ranking member on judiciary. You're not going to get my money. So it was... Uh, it seems like it was Vermont against the Blue Water Navy. We had uh, Senator Sanders, first part of the Congress, and then Senator Leahy, the last part of the Congress, uh, uh, shut us down on the offsets. In the meantime, we're still pressing on with a court case. We've uh, completed briefing, and we're hoping to have oral argument on this in April of uh, the, uh, uh, the Court of the Federal Court of Appeals of the Federal Circuit in Washington D.C. And we're asking that court to review the VA's policy as it applies to based harbors uh, and uh, to rule that exclusion uh, arbitrary and capricious. You may remember the Court of Appeals of Veterans Claims did that, and we had filed an amicus brief on that. But uh, the VA just had to rewrite their policy, and they just doubled down on it. So last week... I went up and met with Secretary McDonald. Nice enough guy, i got to tell you. He's a real nice man. Uh, he gave us uh, uh, a full hour, and I figured we'd get 15, 20 minutes, but he gave us an hour. 
and uh, we asked specifically to in include Da Nang Harbor and Nha Trong Harbor in the presumption because we have definite proof that Agent Orange infiltrated into Nha Trong and a whole lot of circumstantial evidence on uh, Da Nang. Plus, we showed that the uh, water barges they used to take water from Vietnam to the, the ships that were anchored in port, and they would do about a million gallons a month on that. That was water from a contaminated source. So, you know, even if the distillation plant didn't make the water, they were still getting contaminated water. And, and you know, the thing that bothered me, guys, was, like I say, he's a nice guy, but we were telling him stuff that his staff had hidden from him. I mean, I could tell by his uh, reactions. We were slapping down one study after another. This is the first time he's seen this. And yet we've presented it to the VA constantly. And, and it just yeah. was embarrassing for him, I think, um, but shows why we need to get somebody up there who's not going to be insulated from their staff. Well, the, his underlings... Yeah, his underlings are the ones, and, and I think that's been problematic with... With all your uh, your past uh, uh, VA secretaries, I think they've been insulated uh, and just told that well everything's hunky dory. It's not like what you hear from a few disgruntled veterans, and uh, the you know they're it misinformation. Well, you're exactly right, Gerald, and I, I got to tell you, Shinseki might have turned out to have been a good secretary, but there was a chief of staff that basically blocked all bad information from going to him. And then when uh, the House of Cards fell, Shinseki was just sitting there not knowing what was going on. And, and you know, I really, in a way, kind of felt sorry for the guy because uh, I think his heart was in the right place. But, you know, the bureaucracy, the senior executive service, and the guy that was his chief of staff really messed him over. But, you know, I mean, and it's just... Terrible. I mean, my thought process is you got to get out in the field. You got to go in unannounced, go in, talk to the veterans, okay, and not uh, uh, listen to, to just what the staff tells you because the staff has got their own agenda and, uh, you know, you can't, you can't trust them. I mean, it's hard to say that. It's, it's, it's bad to say that, but you can't trust them. And, you know, if. Uh, you're going to sit there and let them spoon feed you, then you know you probably deserve to fail. That's... Well, you will fail. Uh, I've got a, <laughs> got a question, there, John. Uh, these guys, they, they have to be getting bonuses for cost savings, because most executives do. So I'm going to think anything new like this that costs them, you know, will cost the government a certain amount of money. Is going to probably tell their bonus amount they're going to receive. So I'm going to say people are selling you guys out. As they always do. That needs to be checked out too, because you can, you know, you got hit from both sides. Well, I agree with you, and you know, one of the things uh, that we're going to try next year, two different things. One is to get uh, get us pulled out of that pay-as-you-go. I mean, we were exempt from sequestration. We need to be exempt from pay-go as well. 
Second issue is Blue Water Navy is just the tip of the spear. I mean, there's other problems out there. There's Agent Orange all over the place. Thailand, Laos, Cambodia, Guam, Panama, Korea. You got burn pits. You got Gulf War. You got Fort McClellan. You got asbestos. You got radiation. You got mustard gas, for God's sakes. I mean, uh, Senator McClaskill put in a bill to uh, give mustard gas coverage to about 100 veterans that were exposed to in World War II uh, as part of a, an experiment. And you know what? The VA opposed that. I mean, you can't believe, and you can't make this stuff up. We need to get a funding source for all toxic exposure. The uh, Congress played with a, uh, an act called the Toxic Exposure Research Act for most of the two years, uh, they've wound up passing a watered-down version that's not going to do anything. Uh, but we need to do the research on toxic exposure, set up a center of excellence, uh, you know, and let's look at the talk, various types of toxic exposures and their connection diseases. And the VA has got to cooperate. They, well, there was a guy from Emory University that was finding all kinds of evidence connection between burn pits and uh, uh, COPD, which is kind of a no-brainer, and he was told he couldn't publish it. He had to suppress that kind of evidence. Well, he quit and testified for Congress. He was a whistleblower. But, you know, that kind of stuff goes on, and the VA has got to stop that, and they got to start working with it. Then we got to find a funding source. And, you know, I don't care. There's 250 million tax returns filed in this country once a year. If everybody paid 10 bucks with that, you'd raise $2.5 billion a year and $25 billion over 10 years. That would pay the benefits for the toxic exposure, for not just Blue Water Navy, but all of it. And, and I don't know anybody that files a tax return, either a company or an individual, that can't afford 10 bucks a year. I'd like to add well, that would uh, in, include uh, uh, the Project 112 Chad veterans, too. You would? Yes. I mean, I, you know, if I sat here and listed them all, <laughs> I'd, I'd take up all the oxygen on your show here. But, yeah, it's, uh, there's plenty of... Okay. I got, we got plenty of tanks. You go right ahead. <laughs> but there's yeah, so much stuff... So much toxic exposure. I mean, PCBs, paint fumes, just everything. Uh, and it's uh, it, it needs to be addressed, and it needs to be addressed in a consistent and fair and sympathetic manner. And we need to cover these things. I mean, you know, when you raised your right hand and said, uh, you know, you're going to go to war, that's fine. You know, and if you got killed or you got injured, that's okay. You took that risk. But, you know, part of that deal was the government was going to take care of you if you were killed and injured. And we're not doing that. And, you know, we all blame Congress. Congress is not 100% perfect. In fact, they bear a good portion of the, of the problem. But the VA is the bigger problem, and the VA needs to be turned around. They just have to be. Well, uh, President-elect Trump has uh, made uh, the statement that he was going to be certain the veterans were properly taken care of, and I, I really believe him. He, I believe he'll do the job. Oh, I think he's going to try. Uh, I, you know, I, I agree with that. The problem is... 
a lot of people want to do the right thing. And I'll go back to Secretary Shinseki and Secretary McDonald. I think both of them want to do the right thing. You need somebody in there that knows how the thing ticks. You know, I, I, I don't want to say how it works because it doesn't work very well. But to be able to get in there and, uh, uh, you know, fight them toe-to-toe. I mean, shoot. You know, the Board of Veterans Appeals, 450,000 appeal backlog, all right? What did the VA want to do? They wanted to strip the veterans of their due process rights. No. There's a lot of things that you can do, including firing the people up there that don't know what they're doing. And, uh, you know, the secretary is required by law to recertify the people making the decisions every year. And they recertify them automatically. It's just a rubber stamp. You know, somebody needs to take these guys. And, you know, 70% of the cases that go out of the board up to the Court of Appeals of Veterans Claims get kicked back because they're all screwed up. Now, when you got somebody that has 70% of his cases or, heck, 50% of his cases, that guy shouldn't be recertified. They don't do electronic filing like everybody else does. They don't. Uh, the people making the decisions are not certified administrative law judges like everybody else is. You know, the rest of the federal adjudication system, it's not perfect, but it works pretty well. And the VA just refuses to uh, incorporate what everybody else is doing. It's like they want to reinvent the wheel, and every time they reinvent the wheel, they get a, uh, a square product. Mm. It happens, though. and I think the administration is going to make some changes because I think Trump's going to give the uh, secretary the authority to go ahead and start firing some of these folks, and uh, hopefully that uh, once, he, once he fires a couple of them, maybe the rest of them will snap in line. You know, I mean, well, that's uh, another you know that's another another part of the problem, uh, man. They uh, right now you've got people keeping their jobs that were implicated in the death. Of veterans. I've got a guy up here in Alexandria, Louisiana, is being tried for manslaughter. He kept his job. Yeah. The people at the Merit Systems, uh, at the General Counsel's office, are so incompetent they cannot try a Merit Systems Protection Board case. So they go in there on a civil service hearing and they lose because they don't know what they're doing. And you know, it's one of the things that has to happen. Is they have to put up a separate section. For Merit Systems Protection Board, six to eight attorneys, and have them handle all of those cases. The other thing that they need to do is promulgate a consistent disciplinary policy and enforce it. One of the reasons, uh, I can't think of the name now, the lady out of uh, Phoenix, Sharon, whatever her name is, got her job back was because uh, the enforcement of the disciplinary policy was not consistent. That's kind of a cop out on the VA part. She should, she should not have a job. People well, she shouldn't have. But they could have won that case if they had people up there that knew what they're doing. They should all be in prison on that one, buddy. Well, yeah, uh, I don't disagree with, with a lot of them should be, but in the meantime, they shouldn't be drawing a government salary. And, and, you know, the VA sent them home on administrative leave for months. You know, so they're sitting yeah. at home drawing a full salary. Heck, I'd have sent them up to Janesville, Wisconsin, and made them uh, scan records or something, you know. Especially Wisconsin in January. That'd be a good time to do it. Maybe she went to New Georgia. I mean, 
mean, no reason why we can't set up a scanning facility on the north slope of Alaska. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's just pathetic, though. I mean, just the way this thing is done, the way the system's set up, it's set up to fail. And, you know, I mean, as a former employee of the VA, you know, I got out because, I mean, I had ideas and things like that, and they're really good ideas, and nobody wanted to listen. It's a buddy system. You know, you you, uh, you see a job opening, and you see a disabled vet going for the job, they qualify to do the job, and next thing you know, they hire uh, HR and son-in-law for the job. Well, you know, the people doing the rating decisions, most of them don't have any medical qualifications uh, or experience. Uh, and it's like, okay, they have no idea what they're doing. The doctors who do the C&P examinations, compensation and pension, if you ever can get a hold of their curriculum vitae, and they sure don't like letting them go, half of them aren't board certified in the specialty that they're doing. Uh, you know, it's many of them are contractors that they just hire some guy to do it. Uh, and they're not allowed to render a diagnosis. I mean, if you're going to send somebody over to see if uh, uh, if he has diabetes, you would think that they would let the doctor render a di- diagnosis. No, it goes back to the rater who has no medical experience. And same thing, the doctor can't go into the uh, adjudication or the disability tables and say, yeah, this guy has symptoms of 30% or 50% or whatever, which, by the way, those tables need to be completely revised and updated. They're way out of date. But doctor doesn't make that decision. It's the rater, the guy who's sitting there, and, you know, in his previous job, he might have been working for issuing visas somewhere. You know, it's just... Uh, why aren't we requiring those people to have medical experience? Or why don't have we shift it all over to the medical people so that they can do it right? Have you ever looked at opm.gov and looked at the rate and the job for the rater and pulled up what's required to get a job as a rater? I'm sorry, say again, please. Have you ever been to opm.gov and looked at the, uh, the VA requirements, like look at the job openings? And look up for oh, a yeah. VA rater adjudicator. Yeah. Look, look at the requirements, the KSAs involved to get that job. Yeah, and the training is nothing. They train them more on how federal benefits and how to get the union benefits than they do on doing their job. That's right. And they're paying these guys what GS thirteen, twelve, fourteen level people. Oh, I'm not sure what they start them at. I think they start them at 11s. Maybe some, maybe some of them start at nines. But you know, they get paid. Uh, uh, they get paid a fair amount. Yeah, well, that's 60 grand yeah. starting out, I and mean, that's pretty good money anyway. Yeah, and they just don't. They just don't know what the heck they're doing, and and that's the problem. But again, that's where the secretary can't sit there and just throw money at the problem. You know, they said, ah, okay, we're gonna go ahead. Um, and throw money at the problem. We're going to hire some more people. Well, you know, it's not a quantity issue. It's a quality issue. You can get people that know what the heck they're doing. They can handle things four or five, ten, uh, ten times as fast, and it doesn't keep coming back from the appellate process. Yeah. I do believe there's a back channel in the special regional office. I believe there's somebody up way high on the upper echelon to be holding the first string. I think that decision is based on a numbers game. It's like it's like the city bus. One gets off, one gets on. Yep. Yep. 
You may not be wrong there. Yeah, the numbers have not changed that much. They've changed a little bit, but if you look at the percentages, they're pretty much accurate dead on. Yes. The only difference I see is when they talk about bragging about getting the backlog reduced, the appeals backlog went up exponentially compared to, you know, so it tells me that they just issued a bunch of denial letters and everybody's still in the point. Well, you're exactly right. What they did was they started disapproving claims in mass, and uh, the backlogs went up. But only about 8% of the claims denials are appealed. So, you know, they've had a net decrease because people don't appeal. And I tell everybody, you don't like uh, what they say, appeal. But, you know, you got to do it right. You got to get a doctor to say that your condition is at least as likely as not caused by military service. You got to have your VSO or an attorney uh, go into the Code of Federal Regulations. It's Part Four of the Code of Federal Regulations, Title Thirty Eight. Look at the disability evaluation tables. Get a doctor to look at them and have them say if, if such and such is required for 30%, have them say, hey, this individual shows the following, uh, you know, symptoms. And, 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 and you know, shoot, uh, I tell them, take a highlighter and have the doctor highlight it and then write a cover letter referencing what the doctor just highlighted. Then it goes back and the rater doesn't have a whole heck of a lot of options there, although, believe it or not, they still disapprove them. But, you know, at least you got a fighting chance on the appeal. And if we get it up to the Board of Veterans' Appeals, and that messes up, then you go to the Court of Veterans' Appeals where you can actually get something done. One of the things, we're going to be working with the Veterans Pro Bono Consortium next year and the Federal Bar Association to try to put together some appellate legislation which is going to increase the power of the courts, because right now the power uh, the Court of Appeals of Veterans Claim is very limited. And uh, to increase the power where they can really start making some good decisions and holding the VA's feet to the fire. Yeah. Of course, the other thing is let's get a secretary in there to uh, try to get the job done. And, uh, uh, you know, I'm still waiting for uh, President Trump to call me, so. All right. Well, he very well could. Yeah, he might do it, you know. I mean, it's, he's answered a couple of things up that time, so you never know. It's, uh, yep. But, well, we're uh, trying. Have you, now, what do you do? I mean, is this uh, New Water Navy, is this, this a full-time job for you, or you still got your practice? Oh, God, I've still got my practice. I'm trying to <laughs> close it, but, uh, you know, here, here's the problem. As I close my practice, I have uh, more time, but I have less money. <laughs> and right now, military veterans yeah. advocacy, my organization, I'm the biggest contributor. So if anybody needs a tax write-off between now and the end of the year, if you go to www.militaryveteransadvocacy.org, uh, we do take Visa, MasterCard, and Discover. Sorry for the commercial, but if I get the chance, I always have to do it because, uh, uh, you know, I mean, it gets expensive. And, and, you know, I don't take a salary, but, you know, it's nice to have food, taxi, hotels, and uh, plane fare paid for. I mean, I do Southwest. It's not like, a, uh, you know, I go uh, first class on anything. 
uh, and I try to stay around uh, uh, the three-star hotels uh, rather than the five-star. But, you know, it's uh, those park benches get hard, and they get pretty cold this time of year, so I really do need a hotel room. Let's teach you a motorhome. That was for the Cherry Hill. I said, did you stay up there and take the subway in D.C.? Yeah, I thought about the motorhome, but doggone gas getting it up there is, uh, 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 you know, is more expensive than a hotel room, I think. Yeah. You get bed beds either. <laughs> yeah, I know what you're going to do. Give me, give me a little battery-powered heater for that park bench, right? There you go. No. But now, are you still active? But, you know, and I mean, I... Uh, we try to uh, economize, and uh, but as it was, I put you know uh, six thousand of my own money into military veterans advocacy last year, and we've got a couple of grants, you know. But it's uh, uh, we could use the help. So www.militaryveteransadvocacy.org, uh, you know, if you need that tax write-off. Yeah, we do. Well, you have, what, what, what is it? You is it, it's a so it is a tax write off. It is with a five hundred one c three. That's right. We are five hundred one c three. Okay. But uh, uh, you know the other thing is uh, my name has been put forward for Secretary of Veterans Affairs. Like I said, I've not received a call from the transition. Well, that's not true. I have talked to the transition team. I've not received a call from uh, President Elect Trump yet. So. We'll see. It looks like he's make, getting closer to decision, so I guess if he makes a decision without calling me, it'll, uh, you know, I have to go up there and help him. Yeah, that'd be a good idea. I mean, it's a, you know, he needs well, you know, all the help we can get from him. That's one of the things we're hoping with is, you know, because we're trying to work with the VA. We really are. And, uh, you know, the meeting with Secretary McDonald this last week, I think, uh, was helpful. I met with his deputy twice last year. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, the political appointees you can talk with, but it's the senior executive service and the GS 14s and 15s that are causing the problem. And that's why right. I think if I did get up get that job, I can almost guarantee that there will be a major hemorrhage of uh, seniors executive service people, which is probably a bad idea. Oh, absolutely. Uh, that's right. Well, that's not a bad idea. There need to be some uh, thinning out of the blood-sucking leeches they got there. Well, and Donald Trump loves that term, you're fired. <laughs> you're fired. <laughs> yeah. I think I'd be seeing a lot of, uh, of I'm quitting before I got up there, you know. it's uh, I mean, I usually, when I walk down past their headquarters, I have to check, make sure there's no snipers up there. You know, I don't, I don't quite trust I don't them. Listen, if you, if, you, if you get it needing a portion, I'm still able. I'll come and help you. <laughs> well, I'll tell you one of the things that we do is set up an ombudsman at the hospitals and at the regional offices, not to... These not our patient advocates that sit in their office to handle the inbox. These are people walking out into the hallways, spending their whole whole day out there talking to veterans. How are we doing? What are we doing? And then reporting up a separate chain of command uh, to uh, so we can start establishing trends and then just kind of show up without anybody knowing we're coming. 
uh, you know, I, I mean, uh, you call and say, hey, we're coming on such and such a day. Guess what? That place is going to be spick and span, and uh, they're not going to make an appointments of anybody that's going to be sitting there griping. Uh, you know, so and plus the secretary goes in there with all these security folks and aides and so on and so forth. Now, I just want to wander on in and uh, go to the waiting room and start talking to veterans. The other thing I'd do is... Uh, the other thing I'd do is uh, have the computer generate at random contact information on a veteran, one a day, and uh, just call them up and say, Hey, Joe, how we doing? You know, do we still suck? If we still suck, then, you know, at least we can solve his problem, but again, get a feel for what's going on out there. Um well, you know, put my phone number top the list, would you? I'm sorry. Would you put my phone number to top of the list? <laughs> <laughs> no way, Joe. I mean, they have to be completely random. Okay. You know. And uh, hey, I'm 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 certified by Underwriters Laboratory as a quality sense <laughs> auditor and. Uh, uh, and in customer relations and engineering, so I could actually probably. Uh, yeah, but the point is, you got to get out of the office and find out. You know, there's an old saying on the ships or in, in you know, military management by walking around. Business that works too. In this case, they have to be management by flying around. But you know, just go get a plane, and you know, if the next plane has a seat going to Cheyenne, Wyoming, go there. If it's going to, uh, you know, Boston, go there, and just show up unannounced and see what you got. I mean, that's the only way to do it. Yeah, I, you know, you're exactly right. I mean, uh, my old Navy days, we had a captain. He was a captain at the time back in, uh, uh, I guess, early, late 70s, early 80s, in the window Johnson. And uh, he was a black guy, a really good guy. He was, uh, I guess he was on a repair ship. And we'd be on the ship working. He would actually just walk the ship several times a day. And uh, he would talk to the, to the sailors on board the ship, you know, and he would make sure things fine. People respected him so much that he made Commodore and then made Admiral. And they just good people, you know. So that type of leadership is uh, something we need in all aspects of the VA. Yeah, you know, i got to agree with you. You know, it's, uh, well, I was second command of a ship, or XO of a ship. You know, I found out more about what was going on just standing in the ship's store line. Because, you know, the officers and chiefs, they all had head-of-the-line privileges, but I wouldn't go to the head-of-the-line. I'd just go uh, stand in line and start talking to the, uh, to the troops. And guess what? You find out a lot of things going on. And uh, one of my old sayings is, when you think everything is going well, you're in deep trouble. And, you know, that's the... Uh, uh, that's what these folks uh, forget. They get up there and they get complacent. And, you know, that's it. I mean, it's like McDonald passed out a cell phone number after about the first couple of months. I never heard anybody getting him. Okay. I always went to voicemail. And I'm sure he changed that cell phone, uh, you know, <laughs> real fast. But, uh, you know, you got to go out. you got to be proactive. you got to have people out there who care. And you got to get rid of the people that don't care. Yeah, and until that happens, guys, I don't know. I, I, you know, it's just not gonna, it's not gonna get any better. Well, it's like Alice and Nikki before she left. I mean, she finally got it. She was helping veterans left and right. 
on a personal basis. You know, I know several that she had before uh, she got the railroad and got sent out. So but she actually, you know, she, she did a good job herself, but they kind of, I guess she was sacrificed. So, yeah. Uh, you know, it's just, uh, it is what it is, you know. But we got to find some way to make it better. And I uh, hope you do get yourself an inside position in this area because uh, I think a person like you firing from the inside would be a whole lot better than having a best ticket there. Well, uh, you know, we're not going to stop. Uh, you know, I, I can tell you that. I had, uh, when I went up to see uh, McDonald, um, I actually had my granddaughter, who's uh, uh, a junior at LSU, and if she hears this, she's going to be embarrassed now. But she w- came with me as an intern. And, uh, you know, I, I sat there and told him, I said, as long as there's breath in my body and dollars in my bank account, we're going to keep pushing these issues. I said, even if I've got to spend her inheritance. And, of course, everybody laughed about that. Even she laughed, which, uh, you know, she's a good sport. But, you know, but that's what it is. As long as we can afford to do it, we've got the health and so on and so forth, uh, whether I'm get inside or outside, whether I'm a paid v, uh, paid uh, for the VA or continue to do this as a volunteer, we're just going to do it. I mean, you know, my troops always took care of me when I was on active duty. They always did. You know, I had a, a pretty successful career, and I always try to take care of my troops. And as far as I'm concerned, you know, the veterans are my troops, and we're going to try and take care of them the best we can. Uh, you know, I guess the point where I can't do it anymore due to health reasons or financial reasons, well, okay, I'll stop doing it. But until then, uh, you know, we're not going to win everything, but by golly, they're going to know they uh, they were in one hell of a barroom brawl because I'm not going to stop. So when did you retire from the Navy? I'm sorry? When, when did you retire from the Navy, Bob? I retired in 94. And uh, I'd, uh, coming off my XO tour about the time the Berlin Wall came down, I figured I was going to have to find a different way to make a living. So I uh, yeah. took a job uh, in Pittsburgh, of all places. Didn't think there was much Navy there, but there is. And went to law school at night. I graduated from law school about six weeks before I retired. So uh, that's when I came down down here to Louisiana, came back to Louisiana and uh, started uh, practicing military and veterans law. Uh, Louisiana law is different than anything else you've ever seen, but I could do the military and veterans law off my uh, Pennsylvania license. Yeah, I'm going to say Louisiana is a different place. I guess it's based off the French. I don't know they don't have counties. They got parishes and all this stuff. And, oh and yeah, even the stuff that's the same. <laughs> even the stuff that's the same has a different name. Okay, so <laughs> it's kind of hard, but you know, I mean, once you learn it, you learn. It's like anything else. Well, thank you for your service. We appreciate everything you do. Well, we're trying, or as my wife says, very so trying. You retired as a commander, right? Right. Right. Okay. But the commander would be an XO, that'd be a pretty good sized boat. It was. Pretty good sized ship. I made commander a year earlier than I thought I would. And uh I was on the uh battleship Wisconsin precom. Uh and so I got transferred to uh uh a, a repair ship, what they call a tender. And uh I was on her we did a... North Atlantic, and uh, uh, then came back, did med, 
Indian Ocean, Persian Gulf. So it was uh, quite a bit. You know, you always thought of those ships as being tied to the pier, but we actually got out and spent a lot of time at sea. Which end are we going? Uh, the Puget Sound. Puget Sound. That's the AD, right? Yep. Yeah, she was six fleet flagship for a while. Say again? Oh, okay. Say again. I've been on the golf. I've been on the same. Oh, you're on the Gompers. Okay. Dayton, yeah. She's a uh, uh, sister ship, actually. Yeah. Uh, this is just like watching two different TVs in a different house. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> well, we did a thing called the Underway Tender Concept because we found that yeah. we could do just about everything except for the uh, um, yeah uh, the my. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think uh, uh the calibration is what I'm trying to say. The calibration of gauges right. and so on and so forth because of the ruling of the ship. Yeah. But everything else we could do, we could rewind motors, we could uh, <clears throat> you know, do welding, uh, high pressure welding, whatever. So we fell into the battle group and just uh uh would do flyaway teams to go over and do things and then of course they'd send stuff to us, so yeah, it was actually pretty good. Uh it uh that was in Eighty-eight and again in eighty-nine, and uh, after that they got rid of the navy. So <laughs> it, uh, yeah, that, that concept that's went out the window along with some of the others. I know that's just that, that just that every time I see that man, it just hurts me. You know, my last ship was the Dixon. It's in ten thousand feet of water. Actually, sunk her and the Gumpers on the same day. Oh, okay. So yeah. you you had a lot of tender stuff uh, time then, right? Yeah, well, I was a repair person, so I worked on the, you know, I worked on the subs. So usually yep. when the tender went to sea, I got clear duty. <laughs> well, that was the thing too. I was an engineer. I'd been an engineer on uh, a CG and uh, uh, on a frigate, as well as been ops on a frigate. And uh, then I, when I went to Wisconsin Precom. Uh, I was the uh, went as MPA, but I was the acting engineer until the guy got there, and about that time I left. So I had all this time in engineering, and I figured I better know how to fix stuff. So that's where I went. <laughs> but you know, it was a good tour. I, I I didn't want to go. Uh, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I did not want to go because I wanted to take that battleship to sea. And uh, you know, they oh, basically yeah. said, you know, I either go or or else. You know, and so I went. I actually enjoyed the tour a lot more than I thought I would. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was kind of beautiful I went down to uh, Norfolk and saw her tied up and dog- doggone near cried. I mean, they've got it as a museum now, and that ship belongs at sea. It was uh, she's a beautiful ship. They waste a lot of money when they, when, when they came in and put tarpoons and Upgraded the electronic system and ships, but you know, you know they can cut them things in half, slap a nuke reactor, and have new ships. Well, they were uh, on the battleships. They did a lot of upgrading as far as electronics, uh, but the engineering, combat systems, most of it was the same. They added uh, um, harpoon and tomahawk, Mm -hmm. but the problem was, you know, they couldn't put in the. Variable launching system because they couldn't cut through the deck. <laughs> the deck was too thick armored. But uh, they did put some yeah. uh, armored bo- uh, uh, ABLs, armored box launchers, on there, and uh, uh, they were 
They were quite a ship. I mean, uh, during the Gulf War, uh, they'd put the uh, RPVs, the remote pilot vehicle, the you know, forerunner of the drones, over there, and uh, the Iraqis would see the RPV coming, and they'd all raise their hands because they knew the next thing would be coming was a 16-inch shell. And, yeah, you know, I saw a ship put... Uh, actually, I was riding Iowa to get my qualifications, and the uh, um, actually the uh, yeah, I saw them put 16-inch shells one on top of each other. I mean, the accuracy of those old systems was just unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, so uh, while you got me on here, you got any other questions or burning questions about how to straighten out the VA? Um, you know, I mean, that old tried-and-true Roman leadership method of uh, decimation is kind of off the table. So, you well, know, but uh, there are some things my, that we can I'll do. I'll offer you my expertise. I'll I'm sorry? My expertise not, I'll offer you my expertise. In 1985, for most of the entire year, I was probably the only... Radcon certified as best worker certified in San Diego. <laughs> okay. And uh, like uh, you talking about, that, that was the busiest year I've ever seen. And, uh, but uh, do you do a lot of best stuff anymore, or is it just something in, in the past? I'm, I'm sorry, connection's not that great. Do do I do a whole lot of what? Do you do a lot of asbestos stuff, or is that, is that something in your past? A lot of what stuff, sir? I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, uh, I, I'm was, just having a let me, let me shift the different phone here. I'm just past. having trouble hearing you. Um. Yeah, okay, let's try it now. Okay, do you do a lot of asbestos stuff still, or is that something you've, that you've done in the past? No, not doing much anymore. Uh, I'm just, uh, yeah, starting yeah. to run out of time trying to get this thing, this law practice wrapped up so I can spend more time doing the veterans' advocacy. You know, if, uh, if you was to get that position, John, uh, uh, are you going to uh, bring uh, have a transition team help you set up a new staff? I know pretty much who I'd want to bring in into the political staff. The rest of them, it's uh, you know not not that easy. You're going to have to bring um, charges against them. Uh, or, yeah, I can or see calibrate that. them to the point that they start doing things you want. It'd be my opinion to remove the tops, uh, top three people of each regional office and um, uh, move the, like if you remove the top two or three, move the next one in line up to running the place, and I think you'd see a big change to the pod steep, and it wouldn't take that much uh Retraining, I don't believe, because they'd already be part of the the deal. But they'd know uh, if they wasn't doing the right thing, what's going to happen to them. Well, I think what you got to do, and that's one of the reasons why I say we need this ombudsman program to see what's going on, 
is to go into the trouble spots, and then you can file charges, civil service charges against them, and get rid of them. And you get rid of them. It's not that hard. If you've got competent people pushing the issue, you can do it. You know, but it's uh, you just got to be able to uh, to get in there and and start firing these folks. But what well, you happens with the VA is they just transfer them. Are you going to re- uh, negotiate the contract with the VA and the unions? Oh, you betcha. That would be my uh, suggestion. That's the first thing you're going to have to do, and then follow through with uh, uh, getting well, you know, rid the, of some people. The, v- the VA abuses something called official time. Congress has allowed people on the clock to do some union work, especially on hearings and that sort of thing, okay? But with the VA, I mean, we got people working on this official time that are nurses or, you know, whatever, that never see a patient. They're spending their whole time doing union work, and no, that's not going to go, okay? Uh, You know, I'll I'll give them time to do their hearings and a little prep time, but I'm not going to basically set them up as a union rep to do nothing but union work on the government nickel. That's not going to work. Yeah, that's what they got now. Uh, Yeah, you'll have to renegotiate the uh, contract between the union and the government. They'll have to go to court on that one. Well, Well, not a renegotiation, you don't. And uh, usually there's some arbitration procedures in there. I haven't seen the union contract, but... Uh, usually it's an arbitration, and uh, you know, again, you just got to do it right. The problem is people do not follow the rules, okay, and they have to do that, okay. Well, so, I'd venture to say that the unions in violation of their own bylaws. I'm sorry. I would say the unions in violation of their own bylaws many times, and they're getting away with it. I might, you know, yeah, yeah, you might be right. We have to look at that. Yes. Anything. Tear it down, rebuild it, y'all. We're gonna try. Yeah, you'd but, have to rebuild gotta, it. Uh, you know, again, it's well, whoever gets that job, <coughs> whether it's me or it's somebody else, they've got to get in there and try, and, and and they've got to know what's going on. And if they stay in the office and listen to their staff, ain't gonna happen. Yeah, that'd be a no-no. They're gonna yeah, have to get have out. Like you say, I like the idea of an ombudsman and, and uh, uh, that has a separate chain of command uh, where they could you yep. you would have less individuals and a more accurate feedback than you would any other way if uh, you had, had them reporting to one individual or uh, directly to you temporarily to yet decided on who you would like to be in that position. Yeah. Now keep it going. Don't get rid of it. Keep it going. Keep the ombudsman going. Let them rotate VAs. Because they'll be busy. I'll sure. <laughs> yeah. 
you know. Quality assurance is what it takes, people. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. And knowing what's going on, and that's the problem, is people just don't know what's going on. It's it's killing McDonald. Uh, it killed uh, Shinsaki. Yeah. Uh, you know, you just yep. have to get out there and 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 you kind of talk to people. You know, and quit sitting up there giving all the, oh gosh, we're here to help veterans and blah 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 blah, and you know we do this, we do that. Baloney. Just go out, talk to people, find out how you're going, how you're doing. Uh, and they don't do that. And when you criticize them, they get upset. Well, a lot of this criticism is uh, constructive criticism, trying to help. Sometimes people get mean. I understand that, but a lot of people, a lot of times they don't. They're just trying to help. Yeah, that's true. Well, you have to base a decision on on a- accurate facts, and uh, not a bunch of hooey. I mean, you got to have the straight of it, or you, you're going to be making a, uh, a lot of incorrect decisions. And the only way you're going to get that is correct facts is through the feedback. Yeah. Especially when the ombudsman don't have to answer to the people, uh, you know, uh, if they're in, like, for instance, uh, Benita, Oklahoma, at the care center there, or you going to put them in the hospitals or mainly the regional offices? Uh, you, you know, you got the medical side of it, and you also have the uh, claim side of it. So uh, that's two different approaches, although uh, because there's going to be two different uh, uh, problems that you have to solve, one of them with the claims and appeals and the other with the medical side. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. That way they'd have a straight line back to the secretary and not have, you know, fear of pride. Yeah, not get Shanghai on the way up. Yeah. <laughs> That's what's happening now. That'd be a good deal if they could do that. That'd, that'd be beneficial. I mean, that would help a lot. I mean, probably well, it would, yeah. yeah. Uh, the information's the, not getting back where it needs to be. Yeah. yeah. We, we look at the VA as, a, 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 you know, in, in layman's terms, we call it third. No matter how you shape it, change it, polish it, put dots on it, poke dots, split cream, it's still a third. <laughs> yeah, now you're right. <laughs> well, it'll have to change, but uh, let's hope uh, this new administration will do something. And, uh, you know, of course, we wish you luck of of getting your foot in the door there, John. Uh, It'd be nice to have someone that's sincere that we know. (laughs) You still there? Yeah, we're still there. Sorry, I thought I'd lost you there for a second. Now we want to give you our support for your for blue water too. You know, you, I mean, you're doing a heck of a job. I mean, of course, you know, you're not doing it by yourself. You got a lot of help, but still, I mean, it's, uh, you know, you guys are sitting back. You know, you're throwing punches every day on this, and uh, 
you know, they got to get in because, I mean, they've already redrawn the map. They've ordered the court to redraw the map. I guess they, uh, you see they doubled down on the old map, see what they did, or they redraw it? Well, pretty much. But, you know, I mean, uh, they've basically gone against the, uh, uh, the entire policy of international law. They've gone against the United States' recognition of the territorial boundaries in 1954 and 1973, Okay. They've gone against uh, the Supreme Court and everything else. And, you know, that was one of the uh, arguments I have with Secretary McDonald is he said, well, it's all about the science. No, it's not about the science. It's about the presumptions, okay? The presumptions uh, of the people on land and in the river were designed because they could never come up and say that any particular part of the land had a... um, had been sprayed. And for the same thing, they can't say that any particular molecule of water had been sprayed. So this whole thing goes back to the equality of uh, um, basically the equal protection. You know, the Institute of Medicine said there's no more or less evidence to support uh, uh, the contamination or the exposure by the Blue Water Navy than there was for those that were on land or those that served in the river system. So with all that being done, uh, you know, why are we suddenly making a special class of the Navy veterans and cutting them off from the benefits, especially when the only science that exists does show uh, that the Agent um, Orange dioxin got into the uh, uh, into the bays and harbors and into the territorial sea. So we gave him the evidence. Whether or not he's going to make a uh, do anything with it or not, I don't know, but. You know, again, if uh, if it comes to pass that I'm designated the secretary or any other position within the VA, that's something we're certainly going to take a hard look at. In fact, I would predict by the sundown on the first day, uh, we would have revoked that policy. Well, if they have, if a veteran has a presumptive uh, that's associated with Agent Orange. That should be a no-brainer. I mean, a, a, a sailor end up with prostate cancer or uh, Parkinson's or different things, you know, whatever the presumptives are for Agent Orange, if a, if a Blue Water Navy sailor has has any of those presumptives, it should be automatic. There shouldn't be an argument. No, I agree. And, uh, you know, we have shown where there is contamination in Nachong Harbor. We've shown where probable contamination in the other harbors. Uh, nobody can dispute what we said. We've had a hydrologist look at it. You know, the people that are actually looking at this on behalf of the VA have no Navy experience. They've got an Air Force guy, for gosh sakes. Okay? Uh, they don't understand the fact that when you anchor the ship, that any of the oil that uh, the oil that's mixed with the Agent Orange, the emulsifies fall to the bottom, that's stirred up. It's stirred up by the anchor. It's stirred up by the uh, cavitation of the ship's propellers. Uh, you dump an- uh, anchor chain on top of it. That disturbs it. You pull the anchor up. You wash the anchor down. With, guess what you're using to wash it down with? It's salt water right from that harbor. You know, I mean, it's just, uh, it's just unbelievable. You know, I tried to explain to them that the mailbags, where they would fly the mailbags out to the ship. Uh, they were sitting there in the area that was sprayed. Da Nang Harbor was sprayed more than just about any place else, or Da Nang itself. 
and uh, these folks uh, would be handling the mailbags. They would constantly get the uh, Agent Orange on their hands. They would get it on the mail. It would be transmitted to uh, the people as they picked up their mail. Uh, it was tracked through the ship. These people who were splashed, and, and, and by the way, used to use saltwater washdowns down in the main propulsion spaces. These guys would get splashed. Their, their clothes go into a common laundry. I mean, there was 101 ways these guys got exposed. And uh, the, uh, uh, the VA just doesn't understand because they don't have competent people there. They've got no hydrologists, no surface warfare types working on this problem. Uh, no uh, engineers, nobody with thermodynamic experience. They just don't know. And yet they claim that they do, and unfortunately uh, the courts for years have backed them up because they supposedly have this expertise. Well, fine. We've gone in there and we've shown that they have no expertise. So that's kind of where we stand on it right now. Well, a stroke of a pen will take care of that issue. Yep. And... uh, as well as should be, there's enough money been spent on uh, fighting it on both sides that they probably could have took care of a lot of veterans. Well, veterans. You know, I mean, it's just like them spending $1 billion to try to find out what kind of a common medical record system can we have. Well, for gosh sakes, in order to become... A veteran, you have to serve in the military. Let's use the military system. Makes sense to me. They don't have to pay me a billion dollars for that. Shoot, with that that idea, they should, you know, just give me a million here and there. I'll be, I'll be fine. But you know, they spent a billion dollars of the taxpayers' money, coming to the conclusion that it was too hard to merge the two systems. I mean, just freaking stupid. Yeah, yeah, you're right. But, Anywho, uh, you know, well, we deal with what we're dealing money. with. So, uh, how long do you think it'll be uh, before, uh, of course, you'd have no idea, before uh, uh, President-elect Trump uh, will be making a decision? He'll make it in his own time. I'm not going to... Try to predict it because I don't know. He is interviewing a number of people. Like I say, so far I haven't got the call. But you know, uh, maybe everybody hears this. Uh, uh, you know, writes him a, a letter. It goes on uh, greatagain.gov. www.greatagain.gov and go down to share your ideas. Uh, then maybe maybe we will get a call. And uh, while you're on that computer, don't forget www.militaryveteransadvocacy.org. Uh, we do take those tax-deductible, um, you know, contributions. And by the way, if I move on to something, military veterans advocacy will continue. We already I'm bringing a chief of staff on board, and uh, you know he's prepared to continue the work that I'm doing. And he's pretty checked out on the political yeah. aspect of it, so he could do. Uh, probably as good a job as I can, and uh, uh, he he claims he's better in looking than I am. So you know, <laughs> we'll see. I like to see well, uh, one good first thing before we, before we go. You know, every regional office and every VA hospital, first in charge, in my opinion, must be a veteran. Oh, I don't disagree. You know, only about a third of the yeah. people that work for the VA are veterans. 
So yeah, what 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 the heck ever happened to veterans' preference? That's got to stop. Yeah, I agree. Too much. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to come and talk with you for for this hour, and uh, uh, I thank you so much. And you know, if uh, uh, anytime you want me to come back and you know, philosophize, I'd be happy to do that. And, and again, www.militaryveteransadvocacy.org. Okay. Yeah, we'll have him back on time and time. You know, we'll get some updates, things like that. Unless you uh, get a new job and then, uh, and then uh, get the party established a relationship with you, we'll have to uh, rely on you to come back on Secretary of the VA. Well, I'll still come back for that. All right, my friends. All right. All right. All right. Thanks Thank for you, coming John. on, John. Thank you. Take care Thank now. You. Bye. Well, folks, that was a really good show. Uh, Mr. Will does a whole lot, and uh, you know, go to his, go, go to his website and take a look at it and uh, see what they do. But the drill bud looks completely out of time. I uh, want to thank you for coming on and helping out. And, well, it's uh, been my pleasure. I hope everybody learned something, and uh, if they don't, we'll. Come back another time. Maybe they can learn something then. But uh, it was good. He gave That's us good. Uh, give us a good run good down. Show. Good show. Like yeah. We'll see you. We'll see you again Thursday night on the regular on the regular added show with that. I'm gonna do that in Missouri named Gerald Cook being the host. I'll have to ride. Oh yeah. Well, thanks for reminding me about. I'm about. I better take a note here. Uh, I, I, Forget things. <laughs> All right. So, well, we're out of time, Gerald. So, folks, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you Thursday, and we'll see you on the next episode of the Bachelor Hour. Okay. You have been listening to the Bachelor Hour. The Bachelor Hour is brought to you by Hadit.com. If you need help with the VA, log on to Hadit.com. <laughs>